Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am back in the library here and doing, bringing you another book review. Today, we're going to be examining the book called Chip War, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold this up here just so everybody can see the for our YouTube and Rumble audience so they can see the, the cover of the book here. So let's get into some of the basics on this book real quick. So Chip War, uh, the official, well, the full title for the book is Chip War, the Fight for the World's Most Critical Technology. This book was written by Chris Miller. It was written in 2022. Uh, it had won the award. It was the Financial Times Business Book of the Year. The book is a total of 351 pages, and the book covers the history of the semiconductor industry starting just after World War II. Um, I can't express to people enough what a phenomenal, phenomenal book this is. Uh, this book, everyone should read this book. Everyone should relate to this book because the the bottom line is if, if you don't really know anything about semiconductors, pretty much everything that we use on a daily basis, I mean, everything I'm using right now to, to record and film this podcast and bring this to everybody, uh, everything has chips in it. Everything requires chips. Um, everything requires semiconductors to run, uh, whether we're using cell phones, laptops, tablets, um, cameras. I mean, pretty much anything that we have that's electronic has got you know chips in it today. Um, cars have far more chips in them today than they've ever had. Uh, you think about you know airplanes, boats, buses. I mean, I mean just just about everything uh, requires chips, requires semiconductors in order to, to run and operate. So this, and this book does a phenomenal job. It covers pretty much all aspects of the semiconductor industry. And I love, so the, the book basically starts out and it kind of gives a, a quick, like, okay, here's a, here's a cast of characters. It covers people such as Morris Chang, who is the, uh, the founder of Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. Most people would probably know that know that company by its abbreviation by TSMC. We have Andy Grove, who is uh, one of the founders of Intel. Uh, he wrote a great book that I'll be covering uh, probably later on called Only the Paranoid Survive. Uh, Pat Hagerty, who was the chairman of Texas Instruments. Uh, Jack Kilby, who was the co-inventor of the integrated circuit in 1958. Uh, longtime Texas Instrument employee and winner of the Nobel Prize, uh, Jay Lathorpe, uh, who was the co-inventor uh, co-inventor of photolithography. Photolithography is the process by which semiconductors are made. Uh, Carver Mead, who was a professor at the California Institute of Technology, Caltech, uh, he was an advisor to a company called Fairchild Semiconductor and Intel. Uh, we get into Gordon Moore, who was the co-founder of Fairchild Semiconductor and Intel. He was the uh, creator in 1965 of what we call Moore's Law, uh, which predicted that the computing power of each ship would double every couple of years. And I'm sure a lot of people probably, you know, don't know Gordon Moore, but they know Moore's Law. They know that, yeah, okay, the the, the speed, power, um, the size of the memory that, that basically computers have would double every two years. Well, that's that's Moore's Law. Gordon, Ma, Ma, Gordon Moore is the, the gentleman that invented that. Um, Akio Mor uh, Morita, who is the founder of Sony. Um, Robert Noyce, who was also the co-founder of Fairchild Semiconductor and Intel. Um, he was the co-inventor of the integrated circuit in 1959, known as the mayor of Silicon Valley. Uh, William Perry, who was a Pentagon official from 1977 to 1981. Uh, Jerry Sanders, who was the founder and CEO of AMD. Uh, Charlie Spork, 
who drove the offshoring of chip assembly while leading manufacturing operations at Fairchild Semiconductor. And he was the leader, the, the CEO of National Semiconductor. And then uh, Ren uh, Zengfi, who was the founder of Huawei, who is uh, China's telecom and chip design giant. Um, and then we get into like a you know glossary of terms or whatever. But the uh, the important things I wanted to touch on was that this goes into all the different kinds of chips. So you have a DRAM chip that is the dynamic random access memory, which is one of two main types of memory chips, which is used to store data temporarily. Um, you get into the NAND chip, which is also called the flash chip, uh, the second major type of memory chip used for longer term data storage. You get into the logic chip, a chip that processes data. You get into a memory chip, a chip that remembers data. We get into the GPU, the graphics processing unit. Um, anybody who's got a gaming system or a gaming computer at home, well, you've got probably got some pretty nice uh, GPUs in there that uh, that allow for those those fantastic graphics. Uh, and again, like I said, then it gets into like photolithography, which is not also known as lithography, the process of shining light or ultraviolet light through uh, pattern masks. The light then interacts with photoresist chemicals to carve patterns on silicon wafers. Um, and then let's see here, it gets into a couple other things called uh, RISC-V, an open source architecture growing in popularity because it's free to use, unlike the ARM and the x86. The development of RISC-V was partially funded by the U.S. government and now is popular in China because it's not subject to U.S. export controls. And then x86 um, was an instruction set architecture that is dominant in PCs and data centers. Um, Intel and AMD are the two main firms processing such chips. So that's kind of a little uh, background of the book. Now, now, what does the book do? The book basically starts out uh, primarily in the 1950s, 1960s, when you had a couple of firms called Fairchild Semiconductor and you have um, Texas Instruments were kind of the two big uh, tech companies back there in, in their day. Um, and, and this was also the start of Silicon Valley. And uh, it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I don't know if anybody ever saw the show Mad Men, but uh, Fairchild, I don't know, every time I think of Fairchild Semiconductor, I always get this image of Mad Men, Mad Men in, my, in my mind for, for some reason, uh, maybe just because it was, it was in that, that same kind of time period uh, that, that that unfolded. But anyway, I digress. So, so we start out there, we kind of move through the Cold War, and then we move into the 1980s when Japan's economy was booming and Japan was really surgent. And the U.S. was kind of floundering a little bit, but then the U.S. kind of found their rhythm and kind of got back on top in the 1990s. Um, but then here's where it gets really critical. It gets into the, the geopolitics of what then happened to the semiconductor industry and how, you know, the U.S. government, in other words, uh, we wanted to prevent war. So we started to offshore the development of a lot of the manufacturing process of semiconductors. In other words, semiconductors were built in, um, they were built in Taiwan, they were built in Singapore, they were built in Japan, uh, and most more recently now, now you have a lot of chips being built in China. But, but this was done on purpose. It was done to, to tie those economies to the U.S. economy. And, and basically, in other words, that would give hopefully these governments and the people there a, a major reason because this was going to be a major economic driver for them as to as to not in other words as a disputes came up or you know trade disputes or other things happened that, that hopefully this would tie them to the economy in a way that would basically say okay 
you know, we're not going to we're not going to start anything crazy because we don't want to lose our, our we don't want to lose our golden egg. We don't want to use our lose our moneymaker uh, that is, you know, providing for a big chunk of our, our economy and our prosperity. Um, then it also gets into how the supply chain of the semiconductor industry and how that's really spread out. So you have companies that manufacture the equipment that is used to build semiconductors. Then you have companies that supply the different chemicals. You have photoresistant chemicals that are highly involved in the process. You also have what are called silicone wafers. Uh, you need the silicone wafer in order to make the chip. Um, so you have these very critical supply components that come in and there are different companies all over the world that, that do that. Then you have companies that all they do is like Arm, uh, who's over in uh, uh, England, who was just in the, the news recently. But you have the companies that simply design chips. Uh, so they're they're just the designers of chips. They're using that x86 uh, architecture. Uh, they're also using the, the RISC-V, what I, which I just described, uh, the new kind of open source architecture. But you just have the companies that design chips. And then you have the what are called the fabs. Then you have the the companies that actually manufacture the chips, like uh, TSMC over in Taiwan, um, Sony uh, over in Singapore. Um, you know they have. I mean, I mean, basically, you know, TSMC is producing sixty uh, percent of the world's chips, but they're also producing a the, a vast majority of the most sophisticated chips that are that are coming out uh you've got uh nvidia which has just has been in in the news most recently because uh they have been the designers of some of the best graphic cards out there on the market for a lot of the gaming systems and things like that but they are also designers of chips and and they have basically have invested very heavily in ai uh, to produce some of the world's most advanced chips, and thus they they are now a, have a trillion dollar valuation on the company and and moving forward. Now, what is so important about this book? Well, in other words, understanding the supply chain of how a chip is manufactured, understanding all the players involved, understanding the geopolitics of it, understanding why it's so important for us to manufacture these chips. Um, something that is continue, is going to continue to be a major issue moving forward is Taiwan. And specifically, TSMC is in Taiwan. Who is threatening Taiwan right now? Well, China is threatening Taiwan right now. We, we have to worry about, you know, is China going to go in there? Are they going to attempt to take over Taiwan? And if they do, if they do go in there and take over Taiwan and they do take over TSMC, uh, that's going to be a that's going to be a, a big big problem for not only the United States but the rest of the world because in a very real way you know we will be at the mercy of the Chinese to get the chips that we need to power pretty much everything that's out there whether it's a whether it's a car or a cell phone um, it's it's not it's not going to be a good situation now you know and the book goes on at the end to describe like what's been going on in, with with china like you know china like china's been designing chips they've had a lot of success but they're still kind of behind the us um but they're catching up they're catching up very rapidly and what happens um you know in other words one of the pictures that gets painted in this book you understand that the reason that the us has maintained its power primarily for the last 60, 70 years has been through technology. Um, the country has been uh, has been 
big in innovation. Um, and that innovation has allowed us to kind of stay on top. And so the, I think the big question becomes, well, well, what happens if, you know, what happens if we're no longer on top? What happens if we do not manufacture or create the most advanced chips in the world? Um, and what happens if we become reliant on China to get those chips to, to bring, you know, to bring them into our economy to power and, and push through all of our products? Um, that I think a lot of people would agree that that would be a, a major problem, would be a major, major blow to our economy. So um, how does this, let me, let's switch this for a second. How does this relate back to banking? Well, in banking, you have, uh, we, banks rely very heavily on the cloud. You know, you have chips that basically power the servers, servers in data centers, which basically are able to power banks, power all the data that is processed and is accumulated by banks. Uh, banks have debit cards. They have credit cards. Well, every one of those debit and credit cards has a chip in it. Um, banks rely, I mean, obviously every bank is running on massive amounts of computers and laptops and tablets. You know, we need to got to have chips for every one of those things. So if, um, if we did not have the proper, if a bank did not have the proper equipment and things, you know, and, and access to data centers and things of that nature, it just, it just simply could not function. It could not operate. And as, and if, and if it's kind of cut off, from the latest and greatest technology and, and the, the existing technology begins to flounder, get older, age, become obsolete. Uh, and then, then you have breakdowns in, in that technology. Like, so there, there are a lot of, um, a lot of interesting things here, but this book is, is paramount to not only the banking industry, I think every, every industry out there, but uh, I can't express enough. Uh, Chris Miller did an amazing job writing this book. He really tells it, um, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of technical things in the book, but he does a great, he tells a great story. Uh, it re really was tremendous writing in this book. Uh, I started reading it and, and I just got engulfed in it. I, I couldn't put it down. Um, I found a lot of it fascinating having, you know, lived through the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands and seeing, uh, seeing, seeing how technology unfolded under and, and, you know, during that period, um, it was great to kind of go back a little farther to the to kind of the end of World War II and, and to see like where science and things were at at that point, how the uh, the first transistor was created and then how the first microchip was created and then how how it kind of evolved uh, from there and then how computers evolved from there and everything. So um, and you also understand how important the space race was to the founding of the semiconductor industry. If there, if there basically, if there was no space race, there probably would not have been a semiconductor industry because that was the first major market that, that evolved uh, for microchips. So, um, so again, great book, great read. I highly recommend it to everybody. I, I mean, I, if I, if I was giving it stars, I'd give it five out of five stars. Uh, definitely check this book out, read it, examine it, think very deeply about it because the things that are going on in this book are going to have drastic ramifications for all of us in the future moving forward. Understand the players that are in the book. Um, really study the companies that are out there right now. Who's, you know, you know, who's out there, TSMC, ARM, NVIDIA, 
uh, really look at the semiconductor industry, study these companies, understand who the, the, the major players are, why they're doing what they're doing right now, and how that can affect us all going forward. So, um, but I hope everybody enjoyed that. I hope everybody liked that book review today. I would please ask everyone to like, subscribe, and share that. That always helps the channel. Uh, please make sure to, to come to the website. Check me out at thebankernextdoor.com. Uh, you can follow me on Rumble, YouTube, all major podcast platforms. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this. We'll be coming back. Uh, I'll probably be coming back in a few weeks to do a couple other um, books that I've, that I've been uh, reviewing and working on right now. So uh, there's a couple more book reviews coming up. I've got uh, next podcast is kind of back to the regular format, uh, regular podcast episode. We're going to be talking a lot about economic indicators, uh, talking about some regulation going on in the banking industry right now, kind of what are the hot button topics. Uh, we're also going to just be talking about a lot of current events, uh, things that are that are going on with interest rates, um, yield curve analysis, things of that nature. So check back, make sure to check back for that. But uh, again, hope everyone enjoyed this. Uh, please leave a comment whether you liked or didn't like, or if you have a book that you like me to review, would always be open and would love to hear that. And uh, hope to see everybody again real soon. Thanks.